All right, hey, if uh, I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name is AJ. I get to serve here as the associate pastor and lead worship most weeks. Today, I'm not leading. Obviously, I get to lead from this place. Um, so this doesn't happen much, but a couple times a year, and I'm really excited about the opportunity to share some things uh, that I feel like God has given me to share to you. And I just want to start with saying this. First off, thanks for being here. I know that it's raining outside. It's kind of been that, that weekend to where everything's kind of cold. And we were talking about earlier, it's like that chill that just kind of gets deep in your bones that just makes you want to curl up under the covers and kind of stay there. But you got up and you're here. And uh, even for those of you that aren't here to make it, I know some of you have texted me this morning and said, hey, I'm, I'm actually dealing with some sickness. I'm watching online. Welcome. We're just glad that you're tuning in today. So I want to just say thanks for being here. Uh, it means the world that you would mark time out of your week to make this a priority in your life. And second of all, I think that no matter where you are today, whether you say, yes, I've been following Jesus faithfully most of my life, or you say, I'm really not sure about how I feel about any of this, today's message is one that will be beneficial for you no matter where you are in life. So whether you say, yes, I checked the box, I follow Jesus, I love him with all my heart, or you say, I'm just really not sure, I'm just checking this out, you're going to be blessed if we do what the Word tells us to do today and put that into place in our life. So I want us to go ahead and flip in our Bibles to the book of Philippians, chapter 4. Uh, if you have been following along for a little while, you know we've been in this series called Happy, which is just us taking a slow roll through the book of Philippians, and it's really about how reading this letter from the Apostle Paul that we can find joy in our life. So Philippians, chapter 4, we're going to be in verses 8 through 9. When you got it, just yell out, got it. Got it. Awesome. You guys are quick. All right, here we go. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Whatever you've learned or received or have heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Real quick, let's just pray one more time just to settle our hearts before the Lord this morning. Lord, we love you. God, we're so grateful for just the opportunity to come into your presence. God, we, we are so blessed um, that we don't have to go sacrifice something to then be in your presence. God, we can show up and know that you're here with us, God, and, and we're thankful for that, God. And we ask that our hearts would be open today, that our minds would be open God, that we would receive what it is that you have for us today, and we would put that into place in our life, Lord, so that we can go do the thing that you're calling each of us to do. Jesus, we need you this morning. God, I ask that you would, again, as Karen prayed, God, rend the heavens. God, meet with us today and truly change our hearts, truly change our minds, so that we can become more like you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so what I want to start us with, again, we're, like I said, we're, we're ending this book of Philippians, this letter from the Apostle Paul, and one thing I want us to just pay attention to, not to get real technical, but I want us to realize where we actually are in this letter. So if you pay attention, this first word in this, this grouping of verses says, finally, and I don't know about what your text says, but mine above this chapter heading says, final exhortations. Now, an exhortation, I probably don't have to explain that, but I will real quick. It's just an urging of some, of you're urging someone to go do something. So this is Paul's kind of, he's wrapping his letter up. We're, we know we're getting to the end because he says, finally. So the way I, I was thinking about this as I was reading was, I have a friend who just um, 
has found himself in starting this videography company, and he's gotten some really cool opportunities to make some cool videos. But one of the, the coolest things he's been able to do so far is a mother who found out she just got diagnosed with a terminal illness and isn't expected to make it much longer, asked him to come and film a video of her kind of sharing her heart to her husband and her children. And I thought about that and how special that would be to, and how hard it would be to hear that, but how special it would be from a husband or her family, her grandchildren, her children, how, how much they would soak in those words because they know this is probably some of the last things I'll hear from her. And I, so I think about that in the sense of this is kind of the framework we could read this through of like, imagine you're a church that's getting a letter from this apostle that has been kind of your pastor for, and this is this is kind of the end. You're you're getting to the end of the story, the end of the movie, to where you're all in, and you're kind of soaking this up. So one more time, reading it through this framework to help us understand this a little bit more. Let's just read this grouping of verses, and let's just really kind of sink into these words. So he says, "Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely or admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy." Think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, I also thought about reading this. I don't know about you and, and your relationship with God's Word. If you say, man, I read it every day, or man, I read it most days, or I just don't, we don't really get together like I want to. Sometimes when I'm reading passages that I'm familiar with, I find myself reading the words on the page instead of kind of letting the words on the page read me. I don't know if you kind of feel that, but many times I find myself saying, yeah, I've kind of read this story before, and we just kind of go through the motions. And so today, what I want us to do is open ourselves up so the words on the page can, and really God's word can impact us and read our lives and say, hey, show us what we need to do with these words. Because truly reading these verses, I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. I thought about it as I was preparing this message. I'm like, well, I mean, I guess we could take you know, the screens and and have a list of, well, what is pure? What is right? What is noble? And and, well, just think about these things, right? That would be really easy, and we're not going to do that today. But it was easy until I really did some research, because obviously Paul is talking about the things that are, are in our minds, right? The things we're dwelling on, the things we're thinking about. This is an easy thing to do until you really think about, well, how many thoughts do we have every day? Like, what all are we thinking about? And so I did some research, because if you know me, you know I like to kind of get into the nitty-gritty and look at some studies and things. So I found this study from this university in Canada um, called Queen's University. They, they just did a study on how many thoughts per day that the average person has. Now, before we put it up on the screen, does anybody want to take a guess? 70,000. 70, that's, that's actually a pretty solid number. Any other? Any other? Okay. Here we go. I'm going to explain this and break it down for us. But the average person has around 6,000 to 6,200. Now, what that doesn't mean is 6,000 individual thoughts. That, that could be it. I think you're probably at the anomaly. These thoughts are what they're saying could be thought worms. So this is how it could grow to a number like 70,000 really easy. Imagine this. Maybe I'm the only one, but I just don't believe I am. You're walking into the grocery store. you got your list of three items. You need your bread, you need milk, you need eggs. You're walking and you're like, how are we going to afford the eggs? I don't know. I have three children. Maybe I could sell one. I don't know how we're going to do this anymore. Um, I could go get chickens. And, and as you're walking in, you're, in, you're in Kroger and you walk by Starbucks and you imagine, oh, I've got to get paper towels and I've got to get tinfoil and the kids are going to want snacks. And before you know it, these thoughts of three or four things that you need to remember have now grown into 10, 15. And before you know it, 
that is our life, right? So you're going to work and you're like, I got to get this done. I got to get. So before you know it, these things grow into these thought worms. So they may not be 6,000 individual thoughts. You could, you could be having 60,000 thoughts. You know, I told Ashley about this. We were talking and she said, well, I don't feel like I'm the normal person because I feel like I have about, you know, 80,000 thoughts in my head per day and they just kind of keep rolling around. So it's, it's pretty easy to do until we have that number in our head to say, man, 6,000 thoughts per day. Let's just do a little math real quick. I've already done this for you, so don't, don't freak out. There's no pop quiz. We've got 6,000 thoughts per day. That's six and a half thoughts per minute, which is a thought every nine seconds. So knowing this information and thinking about these verses, how easy, or let me ask it a different way, how often are we really only thinking about things that are right, are just, are noble, are true? Or do we find ourselves really dwelling on things that are maybe more negative? How, many, how often do you find yourself feeling um, negative thoughts about yourself? Uh, I just, I, I'm, I don't even know why I try. I can't win for losing. I, I, I should have never even done that. I should have never even said that. And I thought about a story a couple years ago. Our first house we lived in was in a neighborhood where houses are you know, about a foot apart, and they're all just like thrown into this piece of land, and you, you can touch the house beside you. And Ashley and I had made good friends with um, neighbors to, to the left of us, and um, I uh, was talking to the dad one day. They were a blended family. We were outside talking to him, and their oldest son was going to play college at the, or play football at the college um, in Tennessee, University of Tennessee. So we're talking, and guys, I don't know why this word came to mind. I still, for the life of me, don't know why this particular word came to mind. We're talking, I, maybe I wanted to sound smart. I, I don't know, but I said, um, we were talking about how cool it was that he was going to go play. He was really good. And I said, you know, this is a really pivotal time for him. Some of you guys didn't catch that. Well, everyone else, me, he called it, my wife called it, I called it. <clears throat> I was trying to say this is a very pivotal Time Again, I don't know why I couldn't just say, man, that's so cool. That's such a cool opportunity. I had to sound smart and say pivotal. I don't even use that word in my day-to-day life. Like, it's not a word that's really in my brain, but for some reason I said pivotal. But if you know me, you know I don't give up easy. So I was like, we're going for two here. We're going to try this again. <laughs> so it stopped, and I was like, it's a really pivotal time. I said it again. Two times, two times. Said the wrong word. But because I'm resilient... I don't give up. So we go for three. I said, it's a very pivotal time in his life. I said it three times. And at this point, Ashley's pulling me and saying, we have to go. He's looping now. He can't get out of this. <laughs> She's trying to get me out. And I'm thinking, what, what am I doing? Why, why can't I? I'm, you're so dumb. Why are you saying this? Why are you even using this word? It makes no sense. How many times do we find ourselves in situations where you just meet somebody and, and maybe you're like me where, where you like to go deep really quick? Um, I can get a little too deep too quick to where, I, you know, we introduce ourselves and I'm just learning about them and I'm like, hey, tell me about your childhood. What, how was that for you? And just, their eyes get big. They're like, whoa, we just met. And all the while I'm doing that and on the inside, you know, my, my brain is going stop, stop, stop. And I walk away feeling just kind of ridiculous sometimes. And those are kind of funny, but really, I mean, we all have times in life that we we, we feel like a failure, right? We feel like we just, we can't do it well. We're just not doing it good enough. Um, or maybe somebody has said something to you, maybe somebody has said to you in, in, as a child or in your past that, man, you're, you being here, like, it's a mistake you're here, or like, you're just a failure. You're never, never going to mount anything. 
And these things, if we're not careful, they continue to just roll around in our minds. And I think this is, again, it's easy to talk about, all right, well, what should we what should we think about? It's easy to think about what's pure. We'll think about that. It's like Pastor Jason said last, last weekend. You know, he used the example from Martin Luther. We can't help the birds flying over our head, but we can stop where they nest. And, and it's clear there are things we should think about and things we shouldn't. But many times that negative kind of, that critical voice that we all carry, if we're honest, that just rides in the passenger seat of life with us, sometimes we don't really know what to deal with how to deal with that. And so to be honest, if you're somebody that does deal with kind of this constant negative self-talk or critical voice, without us dealing with that causes some issues for us. Would you agree with that? If you're somebody who's just constantly dealing with this, I would say that, man, you're probably dealing with some unneeded stress, probably some unneeded anxiety. Um, What happens whenever there are issues in our own personal lives that don't get dealt with? Well, they tend to seep into the relationships we have. So I don't know about you. Um, this has clearly never happened to me before, but get home from, from your job and maybe you've had a stressful day and your kids just kind of keep talking, dad, 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 and you just kind of unleash on them, you know? None of, that's never happened to me before. It's probably happened to you, but it's never happened to me before. And the truth is it has nothing to do with, with my kids, right? It has everything to do with me be, not dealing with the things that are happening inside of me. And, and I think even if Jesus were here just physically with us, he would say, hey, I think, I, I think I've talked about this before. So if you think about the verse, Matthew twenty two thirty seven, you've probably all heard this before. <clears throat> he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, many times we think about loving him with our heart. We think about loving him with our soul. We think about loving him with our strength. We don't always think about the impacts of loving him with our mind. And the question I would ask you is, how well can we love God when we kind of have these divided minds, when we're, we're wanting to love the Lord, but we're constantly wrestling with these negative, conflicting self-thoughts? Self like that's a, I think that's a real question we need to be asking ourselves. And then if you just want to think about culturally, I don't think I need to sit up here and, and make a case for how culture probably doesn't help us deal with this either. So I'm sure most of us in the room are on some sort of social media. If you're not, count yourself blessed, and I really mean that because you're probably better off than the rest of us. Um, you probably have less stress and less conflict that you see because it's just kind of everywhere. So social media is kind of something that's just designed for us to compare ourselves to someone else, and you're constantly seeing someone's highlight reel and the problem is what we're seeing is, you know, through the frame of the iPhone, but we don't see everything else surrounding that. So the house looks perfectly manicured, and on the outside of the screen, you know, everything's kind of thrown away. And, but you're left to feel like, I'm just not, I'm not there. Like, they've got their life together, and, man, I, don't, I can't even get my kids dressed this morning, you know? So social media is that way. Think about our just political structures, how we're just constantly seeing negative headlines over and over. Think about the media that we consume uh, the things we see online that are just constantly just breathing negative thoughts. And we just kind of feel like, man, is it ever going to get better? So I got to thinking about social media, and there's a, an organization I found that has designed just um, really some resources to help specifically younger people deal with the pressures of social media. And if you think that's kind of a fake thing, let me just tell you it's not. Um, it's something that we all deal with, but particularly ages 13 to 24, deal with the negative effects very differently. Um, So I'll just read this quote from this organization. They say, while people of any age can be affected by social comparison on social media, 
people 13 to 24 are particularly vulnerable to the negative effects. And the main reason for this is due to how social media affects the forming of our identity. It's kind of interesting that that it does that for us. Our identity is formed by creating one that's unique and stands out, while also creating one that fits in with a social group and allows us to feel like we belong. Social media plays to both parts, and the profile we create is made up of the parts of our identity we like best and want to present to the world, while the feedback we get in terms of likes, friends, and interaction feeds our need for belonging and acceptance. So we know there's a problem here. We know that this comparison thing that we deal with in our minds is a real issue. We know that these critical voices that we can't seem to silence is a real issue. And then if you think about, too, the last three years, I don't think I have to explain how crazy this has all been, right? I think we're coming out of it, and it's much better, but I would say that it's been a bit disorienting the last three years. And what I mean by that is there was a a short time where we didn't even know how to communicate with our neighbors. Can I talk to them? Are they okay with me talking? Do they want me to be close, or are they not... They want to keep me distant. Do they want me to wear a mask? Do they not want me to wear a mask? Am I supposed to talk to people at church? Are we supposed to even go to church anymore? And all these things have kind of just messed us up. And I think we're out of that, but if I can be honest with you, I don't know if, we're, if we truly like healed from that. So I think that's something we have to deal with eventually. But really, when we experience life-altering events... Many times we just perceive that things are they're just fine. We just roll back into normal, and there's some kind of issues left off in the past. And I thought about this accident I was in in 2017. I got rear-ended as I was sitting still at a stop sign. I've taken my brother to uh, see the Atlanta Hawks and the Clippers play the night before. I promised my parents that I would have him at school the next day. So I drop him off, and I'm sitting at the stop sign. And I'm just sitting there, like, starting my day, and I see this car. He's, he's approaching very fast. And uh, it's one of those moments where if you've ever been here, if you've ever been in this situation, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But he's approaching very fast, and I can see him, but the issue is he does not see me. And there's nowhere for me to go, and I kind of brace myself and do exactly what you're not supposed to do, which is tense up. And he hits me just straight impact, probably 60 to 65 miles an hour, and I'm just sitting still. So what happens is we, everything settles down, I'm out of the car, and somebody says, hey, are you Okay. And I, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. And it was like me saying, yes, I'm okay, unleashed. It just released all the adrenaline in my body. And where there was adrenaline and shock, there was this discomfort that settled in and this stiffness in my back. And before I knew it, I was no longer standing. I was bent over. It was because I thought that I was okay, and I was very disoriented of, like, how did you not see me? Um, and, and nothing seemed to make sense. And it took me a little while to get over that. And that's kind of what our society has went through. So we know this, that what Paul is saying is not just for a particular time and people. It is for all of us. It is for all of us to remind us that, hey, look, we've got all these things that are happening in society. We've got pressures as parents and as husbands and wives and just people. And we have these critical voices that we don't know what to do with. So how do we, how do we fix this? What do we do with all of this. And again, this whole series in, in Philippians has been about finding joy. So how do we find joy in Jesus when we can't seem to find the off switch to the critical voice? Like, how do we do that? Because if I'm being honest with you guys, I really struggle with this sometimes. This is a real issue for me, and I believe it's an issue for a lot of us. And I think it comes down to this. We have to learn how, we got to learn not just how to find it, but how to flip the switch on that, that negative voice that we constantly hear. So real quick, turn over into Colossians, just a page or two further in the text, Colossians chapter 3. 
This is also a letter from the Apostle Paul. It's just a letter where he uh, tells the church in Colossae, hey, the gospel is going to shape every part of your life. If you believe the gospel, it's going to touch every part of your life. So Colossians chapter 3, and we're just going to read 1 through 3, and it says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, and he's seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So I ask the question, how do we find joy in Jesus when we can't seem to find the off switch? And I think some really practical things, and and again, today's not a message that's that's real deep. It's very practical, but I think the first thing we have to do as people is we have to become people who are continually taking inventory of our thoughts and the agreements we are making. I don't know if you've ever heard of that before, about the agreements you're making, but there are certain things that you say, whether you say it out loud or not, you are making an agreement that I feel like a failure. Yes, I'm a failure. And you're making an agreement with that. And we have to take inventory to say, okay, what, what am I actually thinking about and what am I making agreements with? And I would just say this, that to the person this morning that tends to really struggle with your identity and tends to really struggle with this negative voice, this critical voice, this thing you can't seem to silence, and you say, I just truly don't know who I am. I just want to give you the easiest answer, and and I don't say this tongue-in-cheek. If you don't know who you are, it can be found right here. Okay, I used to really bother me when churches would say, well, just go read the Bible, just pray a little bit more, and the Lord will help you. And and the truth is, he will. But I don't mean this as just kind of like a catch-all, like, well, just go read the Bible and it'll get better, because no, there's some real work that needs to be done, but I want to let you know that God's given you everything you need right here. And self-help is great. There's some, there's some great podcasts and things that can really help you, but it, it doesn't amount to the help and the sure nature that this is active and breathing and living, and God can speak to you through his word, and he will. So I would just say, look, if you don't know who you are, go read the book of Ephesians. Maybe you've never read it before. Read the first few chapters because it's all about your identity in Christ. And I don't say this from a place of, well, just go read it and it's going to make everything better. Tomorrow you can wake up and your life's going to be completely different. No, you'll probably still have a lot of mess to deal with. It's probably not going to get better right away. But go read his word. Go hear what he says about you. A friend of mine just this past week reached out to me and just was checking on me just to see how I was doing with, with all the things going on in our personal life. And I was really grateful for that. And he said, hey, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. And he sent me just two pages of kind of scriptural declarations. And I, I read through those, and they were, they were life-giving to me. I was so thankful that, that, that he, he sent those because the truth is God's word has power in it. This isn't just a book that we read to be obedient. It has power and has the ability to change our life. So if you're wrestling and struggling, saying, I don't know who I am. I, I just don't know anymore. Read this. God will speak to you. We have to be people who stop agreeing with the wrong voices and begin to find our identity in the one who knows us best. And that's our Father. He knows us best. He created you. And and I just got to say, regardless of what's been said to you, regardless of how you feel, whether you feel like a failure or that you've made too many mistakes or that God doesn't see you, no, that's a lie from the enemy. And he wants more than anything to handicap you and to keep you from doing what it is that God created you to do. And if he can get you to agree with those voices, he's completely left you powerless. 
So we have to be people who know we're not mistakes, we're not failures. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And he has a plan and a purpose for every one of you. So what happens when we find our identity in things? What happens? I, I, I think in my life what I've seen is it begins to change pretty much everything. And so I just real quick, just want to kind of confess up here, you know, a lot of you have known me for a long time, but for, for the, about the past few years, there's been a real kind of, there's been a, something in my life that's turned into quite an addiction. I just want to kind of share it up here, just clear the air. Because some of you have, have seen it, you've known it, you've looked at me strange, you've said, I'm, I'm concerned about you, and this addiction is running. Okay, you, you, some of you have looked at me and said, I just don't know why you're, you're, are you okay? You shaved your head, are you okay? Are you going through something? Like, you're running all these, all these miles, or, is everything going okay? And everything is, is okay, I want to just let you know it's okay. But I found this, this gift of running back in 2021. And to be honest, me and Nick, if you know Nick, he serves on our production team. He's not here today because they're at home with their newborn. Nick and I started running back in 2021, and I told him one day after service, I said, man, I got I to gotta start doing something, man. I, you know, Izzy wants to run around a lot. She wants me to chase her, and, and I'm just out of breath. I, I'm a little fluffy. I'm, get, I'm not real tall, so I can't get real fluffy because that height-to-weight ratio doesn't work, and I'm, I'm not, I don't feel well. I can't breathe good. I'm, I'm getting tired. I need to do something, and, and I know I can start running. So started running, and before you know it, signed up for first 5K race, which is pretty good. And I thought after that, I said, well, I think I got more in the tank. And so I told Ashley, I said, I think I'm going to do a half marathon. And so started training for that. And before you knew it, this whole thing that turned into somewhat of a hobby and just something to do with my time to get healthier kind of turned into just all-consuming to where now, you know, we're, we're just two or three weeks out from a marathon, and I'm excited. But to be honest, this whole running thing has, has kind of changed my life. It makes me think about how I sleep. And I no longer just stay up super late because I'm like, well, i got, I got to get up in the morning and go run. And it makes me think about what I eat and how I spend my time and all these things. And then it's like you got to have the stuff to run. It's no longer just one pair of shorts and one pair of shoes. It's like, well, i got to have a pair of shoes for this and a pair of shoes. And before you know it, this identity that I found as a runner is kind of started to seep into every area of my life. And that's what happens when we find our identity in something. You, you ever talk to a really good musician? They, they're very diligent on their practice time. And, and they don't, they, like, if you ever talk to Shane Preston, I love him. I mean, he is, he's one of the most particular people when it comes to music. You know why? Because he is a musician. He's not just somebody that plays the bass or plays the drums or plays whatever you want. He just, he's a musician. That's what he does. And when we find our identity in something, we begin to do those things, and that just becomes part of us. So we have, to, we have to be people that are finding our identity and who it is that God says we are, not who it is that this critical voice says we are that the enemy wants you to believe. So we have to flip the script, and we have to practically ask, all right, well, what does this look like in our lives? So we're starting to wrap up here. Just a few takeaways for us today. As we have heard Paul say, look, I want you to think about these things. Think about such things is what he says. The first thing is this, and I've already mentioned it, but it's take inventory of your thoughts. Now, this could look a couple different ways. This could look like for some of you, maybe in the morning you want to wake up. It's Monday morning. You say, I want to start my week off well, and I just want to just jot down a couple things I'm grateful for or maybe how I'm feeling. I've been doing this for a few, just a few months now just to kind of see, well, if I'm having a, a rough week, maybe I should just jot down and kind of see where I am, like what's going on in my heart and in my mind. So that could be practical, but I think, honestly, maybe one question that you need to ask yourself is, am I seeing myself the way God sees me? 
That's a really great question for you to ask. Am I seeing myself the way that God sees me? And if the answer is no, then you know there's work to do. And I love what Jesus says here in Luke 11, 9 through 10. He says, and so I tell you, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you'll find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds and everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. So listen, this isn't, all right, tomorrow morning you wake up and you ask that question and boom, everything's great. No, you keep asking that question. God, am I, am, I seeing you, am I seeing me the way you see me? And if not, will you help me see me that way? God, will you just give me just one scripture today? God, will you just, would you let me hear who you say I am? You know, we sing all these songs about who God says we are, and we sing them, and sometimes I wonder, are we just singing them or do we actually believe them? Because we tend to have a lot of Christians that just tend to walk around kind of bound up. And it's because of this. And so the the next thing is this. We have to realize that our tongue is our rudder. Your tongue is your rudder. If you know anything about a ship, you know the rudder is what keeps it going in whatever direction. And it's not a real big thing. And and Scripture has a lot to say about the tongue and the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So you got to ask yourself the question, like, what am I saying? Is what I'm saying life-giving? Is what I'm saying taking life? Because the power of the tongue is life and death. What are you saying about you? Are you agreeing and and are you walking around saying, man, I, I just messed up. I can't believe I said that. That wasn't even a word. I made up a word. Why did I say that? Or are you walking around saying, no, I, yeah, that was, I should have thought about that more, but like, it's okay. I'm not a failure. I, I heard um, just this podcast a few months ago, and it has is, it is blown my mind. I've listened to this podcast numerous times now, and it continue, every time I listen to it, it continues to just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. And um, he tells a story, essentially, of of the idea of talking to yourself out loud. And just hear me out before you start saying, I'm not doing that. That's weird. It is weird. But do you know what's helped me sometimes on these runs when I've got these long runs to do? And I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm on a 20-mile run. I'm at 18 in. Do you know what helps me? Actually saying it out loud. Like, I got it. You got this. Two more miles. You do two miles all the time. You, you got this. It, sometimes we need to speak the truth and not give the lies a chance to even be heard. We need to learn how to speak the truth out loud. And I'm not talking about some kind of like secular manifestation or speaking into existence, no, but it is coming into agreement with what is already true. And by you saying that, you're believing it. And if you're a Christian today, you should know that your beliefs impact your reality. The things you believe should impact your reality. If you're a Christian, you should say amen to that because that's what our faith is built upon. Our beliefs impact our reality. Why would it be any different with the words we speak? So the last thing is this. When we, feel, when we feel overwhelmed, we have to remember to stay present because the truth is when you and I feel overwhelmed, much of the time it is because we are too focused on the big picture. Would you agree with that? Much of the time in life when you feel like you don't know what's happening, you don't know if God's going to come through, you don't know if how, t- what tomorrow looks like, it's because we're not present. If we could stop if we could say, God, I know you are faithful. Just as we sang this morning, faithful you are. That's who you are. God, you are faithful. We would not be an overwhelmed people. The issue is we think about tomorrow and the next day 
and next month? And, well, what is it going to look like? And, and we're overwhelmed because we, we really struggle to stay present. Like, what, what happens to you when your marriage is just on the rocks? You ready to check out and just be like, I mean, I've done it. I'm just, no, it's because you're, you're thinking too far. Like, just be present on that day. Say, God, I, I know that you're, you're faithful, that you're going to come through for us, and we're trusting you. And we need your help. And I think if we're people that do that, we will be less, we will find our identity less in being overwhelmed and stressed and have anxiety, and we'll find our identity in just the peace that God can give us. And on that podcast, the guy who's talking, he, he used to be a former, he's a former Navy SEAL, he's a follower of Jesus, and just very outspoken about his faith. And he tells a story about BUDS, which is the training that Navy SEALs go through. And I, I'm not really a military guy, so I can't tell you too much about it, but I know this, I know it's really hard. I know they start with a lot of people, and they end with a few people. And that's, that's on purpose, because they want to weed out the weak. They want to weed out the ones that aren't going to stay with it. And he tells this story about this evolution, and evolution is just that training, that activity. Okay, so this, this evolution they were on was, the job was this, one mile repeats on a beach in California. You run it at your own pace, just one mile this way, one mile that way. The issue was they didn't know for how long. So just imagine being in a group and saying, hey, I need you to start running a mile and then turn around when you hit a mile and run another mile. What do you think happens all these guys who are probably more than capable to become Navy SEALs, they probably do have what it takes. I mean, about 25 miles in, you're starting to wonder, well, how much longer are we going to be running? Because I can't do this for 50 more hours. I can't do this, for, I can't do this until tomorrow. They could run it at their own pace. They could run it fast. They could run it slow. And the guy telling the story says, I saw so many guys drop off of that. that they dropped out of the Navy SEALs on that evolution. Like They quit, and they could no longer be Navy SEALs. Because of that, do you know why? It's because they were unable to stay present. They were unable to just say, just this mile, just one foot in front of the other. I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to worry about the next mile. I'm not going to worry about two hours from now. I'm going to worry about just now. What do I need to focus on today? As Christians, we have to be people that can stop worrying about what tomorrow holds. And it's, it's funny when I think about this because Jesus has his way of just explaining reality to us. He says things that are sometimes really lofty and kind of hard for us to understand, and then other things are just so plain, but yet we fail to grasp it. So he says this in his word, like, go read the Beatitudes, and, he, and even in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he explains, I can't remember exactly where it is, but he says, hey, don't worry about the bird. Like, don't worry about tomorrow. Like, God takes care of the birds. He takes care of the flower. He's going to take care of you. Right? We have to be people that take his word and believe it and do something with it. And so for us to become people that are less overwhelmed, that are less anxious, let's be more present. Can we do that? Can we be people that say, God, I trust you. I don't know what tomorrow looks like. I don't know what next month looks like, but I'm trusting you, and we need you. So I want to invite the team up. Um, like I said, today's message is one that I believe is, is practical regardless of where you are in your faith journey, where you are in your life. And uh, we can go ahead and stand. We're going to sing in response. And what I want us to think about as we sing um, is just ask yourself this question. Okay, A, am I someone who wrestles with critical thoughts? I, I can't seem to turn it off. They just, I just hear this constantly just whisper, you're not good enough. You're not loved. You're not worthy. You're not seen, you're alone.
take inventory of that. Say, is that A, is it happening? B, why, why can't I seem to turn it off? And, and just as we sing this song, it's all about just, hey, we don't have much to offer you, Jesus, but what we have is gratitude this morning. And so whether you need to sing these words, because that could be helpful for you, or whether you need to pray or come to the altar, whatever that looks like for you, I just want to offer you just an opportunity to do that for the next three or four minutes. And say, God, I, I've either, yes, I've been living into what you say about me, or I've been making agreements with, with lies, and I need to confess that. I want to be made whole. I want to find my identity in you. Will you help me do that, Jesus? And just know that, hey, tomorrow morning, it, it may not be instantly changed. But if we can become people who constantly find our identity and who Jesus says we are, I think we'll be people that look a lot more like what he wants for us. Amen. So let's pray. Jesus, we need you this morning. God, I believe with all of my heart that this is something that we truly wrestle with, God. That we all have these critical voices that we can't seem to silence. And yet so clearly in your word, God, you, you give us the answer. You tell us what we need to do about it, Lord, and somehow we fail to put that into place. So, Lord, would you just help us be people that are being faithful to you and who it is that you're calling us to be? Would you help us not make agreements with lies anymore? God, would you help us believe your truth, put your truth, um, God, put it into place in our life. God, I'm just asking that you would work just through the remainder of our service. And God, even as the service ends that you would continue to speak to people, that they would, they would trust you, Jesus. God, believing that you are, the, you are our only hope. You're the only answer that we have. God, we're giving you all the glory and all the praise for it. It's in your name we pray. Amen.